Reading this morning from Mark 10, verses 17 through 31. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Raise your hand if you made it past the dropping of the potato. (laughs) Quite a few. Raise your hand if you have no idea what I just said. (laughs) A few of you. (laughs) Only in Idaho do we celebrate a new year with the dropping of a potato. Raise your hand if you made it to New Year's Chicago time. Or I could raise my hand on this one. You made it to New Year's Boston time. Whatever time zone you celebrated New Year's, Happy New Year's to you. What a great opportunity for us to basically start the year in in celebration and prayer and in studying of Scripture and in in time together. It looks, this is wonderful. It was in 1991, a movie called City Slicker came out. 
And one of those individuals that was a part of it, it was a cowboy by the name of Curly. You might remember him. What you probably didn't know was he was quite a theologian. So he said to Mitch, and they were both riding their horses down the road, Mitch, do you know what the secret of life is? It's this. Mitch's response was, your finger? Curly says, one thing, just one thing, you stick to that and the rest don't mean squat. Curly smiles when he says that. Well, Mitch's response was, that's great, but what is that one thing? Curly responds by saying, that's what you've got to figure out. Our scripture today, I believe, will give us a little bit of a handle in figuring out what that one thing is. Now, before we start looking at verse 17, we, we need to back up a little bit because it's been a month since we've been in Mark. So start with me in verse 15 and 16. Jesus has been in a teaching mode, has been teaching the people, and at the very end of the teaching time, um, the, the children are gathering around him and the disciples push him, push the the children away and Jesus brings them back and makes a very bold statement in verse 15 and 16. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Verse 16 to me is so amazing. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. See yourself in this group. Jesus is sitting there. He's gathered the children around him. And hopefully each one he hugs, loves them up and blesses them. Goes to the next one. I can imagine that Jesus' heart is so tender at that point. So tender. And that's good. Because I want to remind you where Jesus is heading at this point. He's heading to Jerusalem. He's only about 80 miles away now. And in fact, in Mark, the next chapter, he's in Jerusalem. And this is an opportunity for, the, for our Lord to take a little bit of a time away from where he's heading and just enjoy the relationship with these children. Well, verse 17 starts where he leaves with the disciples. It, it suggests that they don't get very far. And then this man runs up to him and kneels down before him. And, and basically says, good teacher, and that's kind of a flattery. And Jesus immediately says, there's no one, no good teacher except the Lord. And so the man comes back. But his question is so valid. It's, his question is basically saying, what must I do to enter eternal life? And Jesus basically starts where the man's at. Rules, regulations, commandments, things to do, things not to do. And the man says to Jesus, I've done all these things. I really love verse 21. Jesus looks at him. Now, now I, I get the picture that when Jesus is looking at him, that means he's penetrating. Now remember, Jesus is standing, this man is kneeling, penetrating into him. And then Mark says something that's not in Matthew or Luke. Although the story is, but not this next statement. He looked at him and loved him. 
Peter must have picked up something in what Jesus was expressing verbally or in his eyes just to express the, the love that, he, that Jesus was feeling for this man that was on his knees. I, I studied this for a little bit. Came up with a few, you know, just a few things about, you know, what, what, what was it that Jesus loved about him? So here's my few things. We know he's very wealthy. He owns lots of land. We know he probably has slaves. We know that because of his wealth, his clothing was probably different than the Lord's. I mean, people at that day, they wore their wealth. You could see it by the clothing that they wore. Very distinctly different than what Jesus was wearing and what the disciples were wearing. He was young. Yeah, probably even handsome. doesn't say that. He was a ruler. Luke tells us that he was a ruler. So therefore, he was of high society. I mean, that's important here for us to understand. Probably well-educated as of that day. Morally, he was clean. All the things that Jesus said, yeah, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. He was a man of, of authority. Clearly a man of power. If he wanted something, he got it immediately. Somebody got it for him. This is the kind of life he lived. Putting that all together, here's what I see that Jesus said, Jesus loved about him. He was courageous. I have to think, looking at this whole situation, Jesus is there, the disciples are around him, perhaps other people were still there gathering around. And it was very unusual to see a man of that rank talking with somebody in a lower social class and kneeling before him. Get the picture of, of the discord here? He was courageous. He didn't care what anybody else thought. He was humble. He was clearly on his knees before the Lord. Didn't care about the power, the social, the class, the ruling authority. He had come up to Jesus because he saw something in this man. He was hungry spiritually. He knew something was missing in his life. He wasn't sure what it was. But maybe this teacher could tell him what this was, what the puzzle was here. There was an urgency in his heart. He was a seeker. He had Verse 17 makes it clear. As Jesus started on his way, he ran up. No time was wasted whatsoever. You know, I was thinking about this. Hungry, humble, courageous, an urgency, a seeker. You know, you think about that. That's exactly what Jesus was looking for in disciples at that point. And then it hit me on the way to pick up a pizza. That's exactly what Jesus is looking for in us as his disciples. Hungry, humble, courageous, an urgency about him, seeker. That's exactly what the Lord is looking for. Going back to verse 21, the first part there, Jesus loved him. We can understand why. And, and I have to think that the difference between verse 21 and A and B, that our Lord took a breath and with kindness 
and caring and love, he says to him, and I think probably quietly but with authority, he says to him, go, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven, and then come, follow me. Verse 22 expresses the response on the part of this man. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Let's be a part of this for a minute. This is so amazing. So here's Jesus. Here's this rich man kneeling in front of him. His eyes are looking at the Lord. The Lord's looking down at him. The disciples are around him. And then there's people perhaps in the background. And they have their interaction together. And Jesus says that statement to him. And as Jesus says that and responds back to him, you can see the eyes of the disciples go from Jesus to this man. How is he going to respond? What's he going to say? And Peter, through Mark, picks up, there's a sadness. He, he lowers his head. The man was looking at Jesus, and now his head is now looking at the ground. There's clearly a sadness about his countenance, about who he is at that point, that Peter's picking up. Silence. I just see silence for a period of time. Everybody is looking at this man. How is he going to respond? And after a period of time, the man stands up, turns away from our Lord, and begins to walk away. Nobody's talking. All the disciples just begin to watch this man walk away. And as he goes out further, disciples turning their body to watch him. Jesus is watching him, and finally he goes out of sight. When I read this scripture, clearly in my mind, this is one of the saddest scriptures for Jesus at that point, for us. Here is this man, a moment ago, had rushed to the Lord and on his knees, and now he is walking away from the Lord. In my mind, think about all the possibilities that might have been there. If he had said, yes, I'm going to do that. I will go. I will sell everything. I will give it to the poor, and I will come and follow you. Can you imagine the social ranking and, and his interaction with people on his level? It would have been amazing to see what could have happened, which didn't happen. What really just happened here? What's really going on? This man is looking for something else to do. Some other rule that he needs to follow or should follow. Or he needs a confirmation from Jesus saying, yeah, you're good. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're good. That's what he's looking for. Jesus, on the other hand, sees something in this man that is going to become an obstacle in his life in terms of the one thing, knowing the Lord. It's going to be an obstacle. It has to be dealt with. It was his wealth, his power. 
Jesus is touching him right in the heart of his life. Saying, it won't work unless you give up this part of your life. And this man turns and walks away from the Lord. I can just see uh, several moments of silence as they watch him walk away. When he's finally out of sight, I think a sad Jesus, uh, a painful Jesus, at that point turns to his disciples. Verse 23, Jesus turned around and said to his disciples, with slowness, with caring, with caution, maybe with a tear or two, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Well, that statement hit the disciples. In fact, verse 24 says, the disciples were amazed. Whenever you see this word amazed in uh, Mark, and he uses it a lot, what he's really saying there is, the, the Greek form of amazed means out of their mind. Just blew their mind apart. Talk a, a headache, concussion, whatever. They just couldn't comprehend it because it was beyond their capacity to do that. And so they, the disciples were amazed at his words. Why? What is so unique about what Jesus just said? I'm glad you asked. You did, didn't you? Jesus is turning things upside down. In that time frame, if you were wealthy, if you were prosperous, you were blessed by the Lord. He had honored you. Your character was solid. You were where you needed to be and the Lord was blessing you. On the other hand, if you were poor, that wasn't the case. And what Jesus was doing was actually turning that upside down. And it's such a revolutionary statement, the Lord has to say it again. And this time he says it with an illustration that just blows their mind. Children, verse 24 again, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. He doesn't use rich at that point or wealthy. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed at that statement. We have, uh, when I was a kid, a long time ago, we really messed up this illustration. I mean, the Lord is using... The amazed, again, is coming from the disciples. I mean, we're talking a huge headache now. Because they are really lost. And so Jesus is using this illustration. and the, the illustration that I was led to understand was, if the gates of Jerusalem were closed, there was always an entrance that was called the, the eye of the needle. That if you wanted to get a camel through, you could, but he had to get on his knees, and camels don't like doing that. And so you had to kind of push and push to get him through. Well, historians haven't found anything to verify that, at least at this time frame. So what Jesus was actually saying here is, 
Yeah, the camel, that's a big animal, and the eye of the needle is very small. And the eye of the needle means the eye of the needle. Try to get a camel through the eye of the needle. It's impossible. That's his point. It can't be done. It can't be done. So therefore, the disciples were amazed at what he was saying and said to each other, well, well, uh, 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 who can be saved? Uh, looking at each other, trying, scratching their head, trying to figure this out. Well, who, who, what's going on here? I mean, he really had them right where he wanted them. And Jesus, in verse 27, looks at them. Now, whenever that is stated, just know Jesus is penetrating right into their core. Eye to eye, penetrating right in and making an amazing statement. With man, this is impossible. But not from God. All things are possible with God. Jesus has just given to us a phrase that is the core of our faith, of Christianity. Our faith comes from nothing that we did. We can't do enough push-ups. We can't do enough whatever rules. All we can do is say yes to what he has done, which is put Jesus on the cross to pay for our sins. That's why Jesus is making it clear. This is, with man, it's not possible. It can't be done. It's the core of our faith. I wish that the scripture had ended here. I feel better about it. But it didn't. And then Peter says something. You know, Peter. And then Peter spoke up in verse 28. And his response to what Jesus has just said. We have left everything for you. Yeah, that's true. They had. Um, Matthew, the eighth the fourth chapter, 8 through 10, is what Peter's speaking about. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. For they were, they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. Verse twenty. At once they left their nets and followed him. Peter's making sense. Yeah, look at what this man just did, Jesus. He walked away from you. Look at what we did. We immediately followed you. But inside of that statement that Peter makes is also a question that Jesus has to respond to. The question, hey, what's in it for us? Look what we've done. We followed you. What do we get out of this? What's in it for us? And Jesus responds to that in verse 29. Truly I say to you, no one who has left home brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, 
fields for the gospel will not be rewarded 100%. You, you think about the core of our lives. It's family. It's faith. It's family. It's our home. It's our, our work. It's our faith. It's our jobs together. It's our relationship with one another. And I have one sister. I see her once in a while. Thank you, Lord. I have tons of sisters and brothers in front of me, is what he's saying. The fact that we all are in the same relationship of loving our Lord, of having committed ourselves to the Lord, we have hundreds of brothers and sisters. I just love peanuts. Lucy and... Snuffy. No, not Snuffy. Snoopy. <laughs> Snuffy was a, a cat, a dog, and whatever, when kids were little. Lucy says to Snoopy, there are times that you really bug me, but I must admit there are also times when I feel like giving you a big hug. Snoopy replies, yeah, that's the way I am. Huggable and, and buggable. Peter was that way. We're, we're that way to our Lord. And what brings us together is knowing that we have a relationship with, this, with our Lord. And we're all in this together. Sometimes we're huggable and sometimes we're buggable. The Lord knows that and works with us and through that. There's one more statement in there that's in verse 31. And that's a whole different sermon. I'm only going to make one comment about it. Jesus says, but many who are uh, first will be last and the last will be first. I think, I think our Lord is directly speaking to Peter and saying, yes, you were the first, one of the first. Watch, watch your commitment. Watch what you're doing. Watch your pride. Don't let it get in the way. There's more to it than that. As I went through this scripture over the last weeks, I came up with about 14 different applications that I think could apply to all of us. And I figured, well, you probably couldn't handle all that, and I wouldn't be able to remember it anyway. So there were three things that make sense to me as we're studying this scripture. And honestly, I'm saying it to myself. You're welcome to come along and listen. So the first thing I want to remind myself in the beginning of this new year is the kind of relationship that our Lord wants to have with us. He wants that relationship. It's, it's throughout the Old Testament. Jeremiah, the 30th chapter, the 22nd verse, says it most clearly to me. You will be my people. And I will be your God. What our Lord wants more than anything else is for us to be His people. And we to see Him as our God. That's the one thing. Growing, knowing our relationship with the Lord and growing that relationship. Ryan picked out some great songs. We sang about what I just talked about. Let me give you a couple things. 
Hungry I come to you, for I know you satisfy. For I know you satisfy. I am, I am empty, but I know your love does not run dry, so I wait for you. I'm falling on my knees, offering all of me. Jesus, you're all this heart is living for. Broken, I run to you, for your arms are open wide. Yes, that's the kind of relationship. One more, one more phrase. I mean, all of what we sang this morning is that very idea. I'm putting my fears aside. I'm leaving my doubts behind. I'm giving my hopes and dreams to you, Jesus. I'm rushing. I'm, I'm, I'm reach, reaching my hands to yours, believing that there's so much more, knowing that all you have in store for me is good. It's good. I almost want to sing this while, you're, while I'm reading it. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. What we were singing was exactly what I need to hear. At the beginning of this week, this year, this week, the kind of relationship that the Lord wants to have with us. He wants us to be His people. Live your life knowing that. All right. Second application. Here's where I get to meddle at myself. When we take on and, and allow the Lord to be the one thing in our lives, the thing in our lives that's the one thing, it, it seems as though the Lord allows a change agent, the Holy Spirit, to begin to form in our lives. Because what He wants more than anything else is for us to be drawn closer and closer to Him and get rid of some of those obstacles that get in the way. And so He's teaching us. He's walking with us. He's helping us see obstacles. It, can I share with you a couple things that I've had to work with on my, for myself? Uh, one is kind of a, years ago, still in the present. And, and one is thinking this thing through going forward here. Okay. Yes or no? Okay. Um, I grew up in Minnesota. And in a small denominational church, we had about 10 churches in that area. It was, I think, about my junior year of college at Mankato State that um, I sent out a, a letter saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd be very willing to speak in your church. And I think I did in many of the churches. And it was it was a lot for me to understand. Uh, you know, maybe I have a maybe I have a little gift in that area. I've done that a couple times, and in the last years, it's, I I've uh, had the privilege of speaking in different churches. Um, I directed Quaker Hill Conference Center in McCall for a while, and so in many of the the friends churches had that opportunity. Uh, retreats that I was the speaker. Uh, a number of things. Well, it was about five years ago, the change agent had a talk with me. And he said, my quote, how do you know that when, you're, that when there's a speaking opportunity, how do you know it's from the Lord if you keep volunteering? Why don't you just sit down and shut up for a while and let me prompt you 
He didn't exactly say it that way. That's my interpretation of what he said. Finally, he got through to me, and so about five years ago, I said, okay, I'll do this. Well, I'm going to make a short story long here. Three months later, nothing. No opportunities. Nothing. Six months later, nothing. Nine months later, nothing. Twelve months later, nothing. Fifteen months later, nothing. Eighteen months later, nothing. At that point, I wasn't really very happy about it, but I basically said, okay, Lord, evidently that's done in my life. You have something else for me. Okay, I'll accept it. And it was right about that time. (laughs) I'm going to start. Josh Kramer emailed me asking if I would be willing to teach New Testament for the church. I'm so glad it was an email because I was bawling my eyes out. I wouldn't have been able to say anything. But at least I could email him back, is the Pope Catholic? Because that's the only thing I could think to say. Yes, 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 yes. And so we had that class. There were three of us, myself included in the three. Did I care? No. I had an opportunity to listen to the Lord and respond. What I'm saying to you is, the Lord has things that he wants to change about us. And he's, he's, it's in front of us. We have to be willing to redo, see that. As you start the new year, what is, he, what is he saying to you? Here's what he's saying to me about now. I'm kind of goal-oriented. Kind of. I'm very goal-oriented. I, at my work last year, last month, last couple of weeks ago, we had a whole day of just goal-oriented thinking through. I own the place. I guess I can do that. It was wonderful. My dear wife's not here at home. I'm goal-oriented. I drive her crazy. The elders have learned. I have tons of great ideas. But really, there's only a few that are any good. And I need people around me to say, whoa, where'd you come up with this one? So here's one of my goals for this year. There's still a little bit of competitive nature inside of myself that... Maybe we'll go someday, but uh, I'm over 60. Uh, Yeah, it's been many years over 60, and we have what's called Idaho Senior Games, where you you compete. It's, you know, it's competition, but it's also fun. You compete against one another. Last year, I competed in um, bikes, in uh, running, um, in uh, golf. And this year, one of my goals is to take first place in something. Last year I was fourth, third, and second. Or not even in that category. So I want to be first, take first place. Now that won't happen in golf, I assure you of that. But maybe some of the other sports. And so I'm in training. I mean, it's not hard for me to get to the gym. Home, work. If I want to go this way, there's Axiom. If I want to go that way, there's axiom. So I'm going by, I might as well stop in. Here's what the Lord is telling me about that goal. Number one, 
Don't let it interfere in your family life. Number two, for as many hours as you spend in the gym, on a weekly basis, spend that same amount of time in study, in prayer, in devotion. That's what I've committed to the Lord. Why? Because the one thing, I want to grow my relationship with the Lord. So I bring that to to all of us. The one thing is the Lord wants to grow our relationship and take aside the obstacles that are there. Third application. I learned last week that the number one surgery for people is a knee replacement. Raise your hand if you've had a knee replacement, or you should or will be. Is it uh, Several of you. It's the number one surgery. My family, my dear wife, we had that happen in December of last, last year. It's been amazing to me to see the relationships that are here in our body, caring for Dee, helping her through this, the food, the prayers, the visits. That's the relationship that the Lord wants us to have with each other. And something has to the effect of as we grow older, for some reason, parts of our body start to wear out. I want to encourage you to be a part of a growth group where we can care for one another. This is a fairly substantial congregation that we worship in. I worship it over there with a bunch of sinners. I told the first group, the the first uh, service, I have no idea who most of you are. But in a small group, we can start to care for one another and love one another. Growth groups, may I encourage you to be part of that. That's part of my responsibility is to encourage Josh in the growth group area. So, was this sermon, was this scripture about wealth? Yeah. Mm, No. How's that for a political answer? Yes, it was, especially for this young man, as that was his issue. And maybe it is for some of us here. That's an obstruction that doesn't let the Lord move into our lives. But there are other things that you and I face that have to be dealt with so that the Lord can use us. The number one thing in our lives as we begin this new year is growing that relationship with our Lord. Don't let anything, Art Ortman, brothers and sisters, don't let anything get in the way from allowing the Lord to grow his relationship with us. Pray with me. Oh, Lord, quite a challenge here that you bring to us. Praise you for giving us that opportunity to even do that. Teach us, each one individually, about loving you, about listening 
to the change agent in our life, that Holy Spirit, as he speaks to us. Thank you for a new year, a new beginning. In your name we pray. Amen.